You're listening to the DB Supply Show Podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, everybody, today we are going to be talking all about everything to do with small engines and getting your small engines ready for the spring and for the summer and how to deal with some commonplace issues we run into. And we're going to talk about everything from snowblowers to lawnmowers. All coming up today with one of our experts from DNB Supply. In addition to all this great information today, there is a great story. And, you know, since I became involved with DNB Supply and starting this show, I've been continually impressed with this company and the things they are doing. But I had not heard this story until I did this interview with today's guest. What a great story about a large company taking care of a small company in a small community. I can't wait for you to hear it. And that is coming up to you today here on the DNB Supply Show podcast. Enjoy. Joining me now is Andy Rogers, the assistant manager at our Emmett DNB store, and he runs the small engine repair and rental shop there. Andy, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate the chance to talk to you. Well, I think probably the funnest part about doing this show is having all this great expertise right at my fingertips that I can tap into and get really good information for our listeners. So looking forward to talking to you all about small engines and kind of getting ramped up for the season. Well, let me start off like this. Andy, how long have you been with DNB Supply? I've been with the Emmett store since it opened about a year and a half ago. Prior to that, I worked uh, a couple years at the Meridian DNB and that's where I got started with DMB. Oh, okay. And then how did you get involved in small engine repair, maintenance, and all that? So about 11 years ago, my parents bought a little small engine uh, steel dealership in here in Emmett and uh, kind of got started with that in the beginning, just a small family-owned business where we did repairs and we did rentals and, and sales of lawnmowers and trimmers and, and that kind of stuff. And uh, that's where I got started. Okay, so kind of a, a family family business and family legacy that led you into this. Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of a neat thing that we got uh, started in. And then, you know, when the economy struggled a little bit, uh, there wasn't enough room for all of the family to work there. So I kind of stepped out, and that's when my journey with DMV started. Uh, one day my mom, mom gave me a call, and she said, you know, I'm just really, really tired of... of uh, having to put so much time, so much of her time into into the shop, and she's just wanting to steer away from it and come up with a different solution. So they kind of offered offered me to, to kind of take it over and, and manage it and work my way into ownership of it. And uh, so I did that for about uh, about two years, and then DMB decided to, when King's, the King's building went up for sale. They they decided to jump on it and buy it. They had already owned property next door to King's. It was an old car dealership that they've owned for a few years with, you know, future plans of doing something, just didn't know when. Mm-hmm. But uh, went ahead and bought the King's building. They called me up and asked me if I'd come talk to them and kind of just let me know, you know, that they were coming into town and they would, you know, uh, help helped the best they could by not impacting my business. They wanted to work with me the best that they could. And, and, you know, they definitely weren't here to try to run us out of business or anything. And, uh, talks kind of progressed and they just asked 
there was anything that could be worked out to where I could come back. And, and I said, well, you know, my mom is, is really looking to get out of it. And so I kind of just popped up and said, you know, go buy them out, go, go buy their business. And, and, uh, and so they went back and forth with negotiations and, and, and bought the business and they, they bought all of our inventory and, uh, something very unique to the Emmett store. Uh, we did rental. We rented tractors and excavators and skid steers and lawn and garden equipment. Mm-hmm. They went ahead and went ahead and bought all that too. And and uh, so the Emmett location is a full rental business where we rent rent literally almost almost anything that you could could think of that you would need to rent. Wow. They uh, they hired all of the employees that worked there and and kind of remodeled the old car dealership and kind of gave us our own little building over there. So we got to do everything we were doing doing before and just a part of D&B now, and, and all the employees absolutely love it. Oh, well, that is a great... Including myself. <laughs> well, good. good for you, and good for your mom, too, and, and the rest of your family. What a great story, and uh, what a great way to come into a community, it sounds like, and uh, not alienate anybody, but uh, make things maybe better for everyone involved. Absolutely, and they did a great job of doing that. They they really made it right with everybody. All right. Well, we're the we're the richer for having you, and and I think we're going to prove that here right now. So uh, let's let's start off by talking about, I guess, for lack of a better term, waking up your small engines from their from their winter nap. Just kind of in general, not not specific to any one piece of equipment, and and then we'll move on to discussing specific pieces of equipment if we still have time. Does that sound okay? Yeah, sounds great. Okay, so to start out, what is considered a small engine? Like, is there a threshold of horsepower that separates a small engine from a large engine, uh, just by definition? Not necessarily. You know, we work on anything from, you know, just a really small trimmers and, you know, very small horsepower, you know, one horsepower, all the way up to 30 horse commercial Kawasaki, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton engines, mostly just designated by what it's in, smaller equipment. Oh, okay. Very good. As as people are getting ready to get out and start using this equipment again, if if at the end of last season, if they added a fuel stabilizer to the to the fuel tank of their small engine, do they need to do anything with the fuel before they fire it up, or the, can they just start it? You know, if they were running a good quality gasoline and with a good stabilizer in it, no, they should be okay to to get started. There are some some exceptions to that and one would be, you know, the quality of fuel and what what kind of fuel you're putting in that piece of equipment and how long it was stored. But uh, generally speaking, you're usually good if you have a good stabilizer to just go ahead and start it. Okay. And now on the flip side of that, you know, I was trying to think of pieces of equipment that people would be putting away right now and not getting out until next winter and obviously a snowblower is a good example of that. So if they're adding fuel stabilizer to that right now to put it away and uh, and not use it again until the first snow flies next fall, uh, is there anything special they need to be doing to make sure that they preserve it as well as possible? Personally, if it, if it was me on a product like a snowblower, where we live, you could go a year without using a snowblower. Sure. So it could end up being two years before you use it again. I would recommend running it dry, running all the fuel out of it and just running it until it's dry. And that way you're not left with any bad gas or anything that can gum up your carburetor. Okay, so just turn it on and just let it idle until it just runs out of gas. Yeah, that that's your best bet on something that you know is not going to sit more than a couple months. 
three oh. months or so. Okay. Well, I think that brings us naturally into my next question for you, Andy, and that is somebody that's getting out their lawnmower or whatever it may be for this upcoming spring and this summer, if they did not use fuel stabilizer in it over the winter and they did not drain the gas or run it out of gas like you were just talking about, what would you recommend doing with that old gas that's in the tank? About your only option is if is is getting rid of it and unfortunately it's not always the easiest thing to get rid of especially on on the smaller uh, mowers we uh we have machines that suck the oil out and suck the fuel out and then you know we have to dispose of that properly and have the right people come and, and take that away unfortunately my, my suggestion would be to get rid of the gas and and basically start over and depending on if if the gas is bad in the carburetor, you're going to be taking the carburetor apart and, and cleaning it. Okay. Now, if, if they're able to get that piece of machinery started with that old gas in it, is that old gas going to do damage to the engine or to the carburetor? It definitely can. When, when gas sits for a longer period of time, it starts dropping in octane. And all small engine manufacturers recommend an 89 or higher octane. So... If it was 89 octane and it sat for four or five months, it could possibly lower an octane and could cause engine damage. Well, I'll tell you what, I've got more questions about this for you, but let's take a quick commercial break, Andy, and when we come back, we'll continue on, okay? All right, sounds good. A well-worn pair of Danner boots has become a hallmark for hard-working and hard-playing people in the West, and everywhere else for that matter. Find your next pair of long-lasting, great-looking, made-in-the-USA Danner boots at D&B Supply. Hold a Danner boot in your hand, and you'll notice the handcrafted precision. Try it on, and you'll feel the difference. Test it against the elements, and you'll appreciate the value of a product that's built to last. From classic hiking boots to handcrafted work boots to fashion-forward looks to fit your daily life, stop on by D&B Supply to try Danner boots on for size. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at D&B Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop on by your favorite D&B supply. Well, Andy, now that we're back, I wanted to ask, so if you've got your mower from last year as an example, and and you didn't take the gas out, you didn't use a fuel stabilizer, so you've got this old gas in there and it won't start, how should somebody go about getting that gas out, and then how, how or what can they do to dispose of it properly? The best thing you can do is most automotive places or DMVs sell a little hand pump that's basically just air pressure that will create a vacuum to suck that gas out. You could contact your local landfill and see if they take used gas and oil, and I'm sure you're going to, you know, pay for it to be disposed of, or, you know, bringing it to a small engine shop like ourselves, and we have the, the capabilities of sucking it out, cleaning it out, and, and disposing of it. Okay, but it's important to uh, dispose of it appropriately. Obviously, we don't want it running into the rivers or anything like that. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. My my first suggestion would be contacting your landfill and see see if they have the capabilities of taking that stuff or they should be able to guide you in the right direction of where to go. Okay, very good. And now along the lines of, of, of liquid but no longer gasoline, oil, 
Do you recommend changing the oil in your small engines before you begin the season? I do, or or at the end of the at the end of the season. The problem with waiting till the springtime when you, when you just get go to use it, if you do have issues, or if you bring it to a shop like ours to have us do the service in the springtime, all small engine shops get so backed up because everybody waited until spring mm-hmm. and didn't do it when they put it away or over the winter when all the shops are slow and as of right now like a shop like ours we're, we're, we have a four week wait period before we can even look at a mower right wow. now okay uh, because we are so backlogged with mowers okay so um, doing it in the fall is obviously the right plan but if you do change the oil and service it in the fall when you're putting it away the fact that that oil sat over the winter is not going to be detrimental to your engine when you fire it up in the spring? Correct. Your oil will be completely fine. Okay. All right. Now, for for the listener who's going to do this themselves, they're going to change the oil in their mower or any other uh, piece of machinery themselves, any tips or advice for them uh, if they've got machines that require them to empty the oil out through their fill spout? That is a tough one because when you take a small engine, especially like a walk-behind lawnmower, and you tip it on its side to get the oil to come out, it's a headache. You take the chance of, you know, your gas running in, you know, out your carburetor and flooding the machine. And and that's why I suggest using a small um, small hand pump that uh, you can buy here at DMB and, and, and suck that oil out. Okay. Or bring it into the shop and we have vacuums that suck the oil out. Okay. And, and along those same lines then, when you're changing the oil in a small engine... Uh, can you see increased performance, increased longevity for that motor uh, based on the engine oil that you're choosing? Not typically performance, but definitely longevity. We recommend it every season having the oil changed. When you start going longer than that, the oil gets dirty and it can cause cause the life of the engine to shorten dramatically. Okay. And and how frequently should somebody be changing the oil in these small engines throughout the season? We recommend the average homeowner uh, to do it once a year. We have some commercial guys that do it every couple months. Okay. So typical homeowner once a year and then the professionals, they're doing it several times throughout the season. Correct. Yes, sir. Okay. And then what about air filters? How frequently should those be changed and should that be done at the beginning of the season as well? A lot of the air filters now are cleanable. So as long as they don't get any kind of water damage or any liquid in them, they are most often you can clean them. And yes, we recommend at least starting with a clean air filter. And if it is too dirty to be cleaned, then start out with a new one at the beginning of the season. And then should that be cleaned or changed multiple times during the season, or is that a once-a-year uh, type of thing to do as well? Personally, I clean my air filter once a month, and I check it at least once a month, and it's going to kind of depend on how dirty of an environment that you're mowing in. If you're mowing in drier grass with dust, uh, you might want to do it you know, every week or every two weeks, mm-hmm. but if you're just cutting your nice clean lawn uh, once a month, just a quick check, and it's they're all easy to easily to check, and just uh, look at appearance of how dirty the filter is to determine whether it needs to be cleaned. Okay, very good. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take another quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about starting these engines up. All right, thank you. Know what looks good with a cowboy hat, panhandle western apparel, and rock and roll denim available at D and B Supply. 
Over 70 years ago, Panhandle started putting snaps on their popular gambler-style shirt and soon became a runaway hit with cowboys and cowgirls everywhere. In the 21st century, they formed rock and roll denim too, with fashion-forward looks and high-class jeans that fit any style. With designs both classic and fresh, get decked out for life in the West with Panhandle shirts and rock and roll denim at D&B. Hamilton Carhartt started sweating the details back in 1889. Carhartt started to stitch together workwear made to stand up to steel, smoke, and the Industrial Revolution. Ever since, Carhartt gear has survived in the most rugged corners of the world and thrived in the harshest conditions at work or home. In 1959, a couple of fellas named Dutch and Bud set up their first supply shop in Idaho to outfit people in the West with only the best. When you need the stuff of legends, even just to make it through the workday, stop in for some Carhartt at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Andy. Well, now that we're back, if the piece of equipment that you're going to be operating at your home has an electric start, do you recommend replacing the battery at the beginning of the season, charging it, or is that just going to depend on the type of battery you're using? It's somewhat going to depend on the type of battery you're using. It's also going to depend on on how you're storing your battery. We recommend pulling the battery out of your equipment and taking it somewhere that it cannot freeze. Uh, The cold weather is hard on batteries. So, for instance, at mine, I, I take my battery off of my riding lawnmower and I just take it in my in my house in my little closet where I have some tools and stuff and just set it in there on the floor so that it doesn't freeze. Batteries are not something that need to be replaced every year. It's just something either I, again, put mine on a little trickle charger while it's in my in my in my little closet there and and keep a nice trickle charger on it so that it doesn't go completely dead. Okay. And most of these batteries for starting these smaller pieces of equipment, are they're going to be 6 volt? Do I understand that correctly? Um, Most riding mowers are all 12 volt. Okay. And most walk-behind mowers that have electric start are 6 volt. Okay. So how does that impact the charging? Can that be done off the same type of charger? Do you need to have two different chargers if you're going to do that? How does that work? Yeah, more than likely you would need two different chargers, or they do offer chargers that can charge 6 volt and 12 volt. Most of the walk-behinds that have a 6 volt battery, when you buy the mower, it actually comes with a charger. So that would be your best bet of charging that battery. Oh, okay. Very good. All right, well, let's talk about spark plugs for a minute. So is there anything that our listeners should be doing when it comes to their spark plugs as they begin the season? You know, we we change them every spring when we do tune-ups. A lot of the times it it is not necessary, but because spark plugs, the cost of them isn't very high, we we replace them. But they can be taken out and cleaned and just check the gap, but it is not necessary that they would need to be changed every season. And not cleaned either? Just kind of watch the performance and then deal with it if something's coming up? Am I understanding that correct? I would recommend at least taking them out and checking them and see if they need to be cleaned or okay. regapped uh, every every season, but not necessarily replaced. Okay. So for our listeners who have never checked to see if they need to be regapped, how would they go about doing that? You can go to any hardware store and buy a spark plug gapping tool. You can call us at DMB and and tell us what what engine you have and what spark plug is in it and we can tell you what the gap should be or check online you can google what your spark plug is and 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 check your gap that way and now how about carburetors Uh, is that something that uh, we should get cleaned only when we're seeing symptoms or is that something we should be cleaning at the beginning of every season yeah not necessarily cleaned every season most time they don't need cleaned unless you have left gas in them for an extremely long time and the gas is starting to go bad. We do recommend at least 
you know, in the two-stroke stuff, especially taking the carburetor apart and checking your diaphragms and making sure that your diaphragms aren't aren't getting stiff. That's something that's, you know, easily to change is the mm-hmm. diaphragm and the carbs. But on your four-stroke stuff, you know, You'll you'll notice a definite running issue if if you if your carburetor needs cleaned. And that's funny you said the four stroke stuff because that's my very next question for you. So as far as all the recommendations you're making and everything we're talking about getting started up, how does this vary uh, between using a four stroke and a two stroke engine? It would be honestly very very similar. The quality of oil that you use in a two stroke, a lot of them actually have some fuel stabilizers in them as well. So they. They can help when you are going to store your two-stroke equipment, but still recommend the same thing. I would I would run it dry, or the best-case scenario is still and Husqvarna both make a a moto mix that has gas and oil already mixed and ready to go that has a shelf life of two years after the can has been opened. Mm-hmm. And that's how I store all of my equipment. I get... I drain all the gas and I start start it up and let it run and burn every last bit of that gas out. Then I buy one of these Moto Mix. It comes in a quart, and I pour a quarter into my chainsaw, a quarter into my trimmer, a quarter into my blower, and and I start and let them run for a little bit. And I have that good quality gas with oil already in it that has a shelf life of two years. And that way I know that I have good gas. My gas can't go bad, and my diaphragms can't. Uh, dry out from from sitting. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's hear from our sponsors another time here, and then when we come back, I want to talk to you about some of the other things we can do to try and make uh, the season easier on our equipment. Sure, absolutely. Are you a new or current cat owner looking for a solution to the litter box that will keep everyone in the house happy? Purina Tidy Cats knows how to keep all those feline bathroom habits in a neat and tidy box with a wide range of litter options available at DB Supply. And because all cats have a unique personality, some more than just one, Tidy Cat offers scoopable, non clumping litter choices to make them all happy. Tidy Cats is quick and easy to clean. It's even easy on the nose. When you need the full scoop for your feline fur balls, stop on by your favorite DB Supply and pick up a bag or bucket of tidy cats did you know that a horse's top line plays an important role in how that horse performs looks and feels that's why neutrina offers top line balance in select horse feeds available at dnb supply not all feeds are created equal and not all feeds can improve a horse's top line it took years of research and field trials to develop this unique approach to equine health so look for the top line balance logo on select neutrina horse feeds for a healthier top line stop on by dnb supply for top line balance from neutrina all right, Andy. Well, I wanted to ask, when we talk about small engines and, and something that probably almost everybody has, we kind of default to lawnmowers. And I've got a long list here of other pieces of small or of equipment with small engines I want to get to. But keeping along the lines of kind of talking about what everybody's got, uh, lawnmowers and even field mowers that operate off of a small engine, how much easier does it make it on your engine if you sharpen the blades at the beginning of each season? I don't know that it will affect the actual engine by performance-wise, but definitely the quality of cut can can be increased dramatically if your blades are sharpened. Big thing that most people don't uh, understand is if they just take their blade and sharpen it on a grinder and slap it back on. If if the blade is not balanced, it will cause it to to wobble, which will eventually take out bearings and your spindles, which are going to cost a lot more money than having your blade sharpened and balanced correctly. 
So when we sharpen a blade, we sharpen it, and then we have an actual balancing deal where we set the blade on there, and it tells us if it's 100% balanced or not. Oh, that's interesting. So if if those bearings do start to go out, how how will you tell it? Is that when you start to see the engine kind of rocking there on the on the say a push mower or something like that, or how do you know? A lot of it is going to be noise. You'll hear the bearings in there start grinding and making a different noise, and a lot of times you can actually reach under there obviously with the mower not running and the engine off grab one end of the blade and if it wiggles up and down at all you have bearings going out which is a lot of times caused by blades being unbalanced or bent causing it to to wobble or a big thing we see is bailing twine wrapped around the blades and it gets in there in the seals and also takes out those bearings oh yeah that's something you're going to find on my mower at my house i bet my wife is yeah, uh, she's and, ruthless uh, with that thing. Yeah, mine as well. I've been known to get <laughs> bailing twine, and it's very common with 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 all the farms and all the people that have animals around. The bailing twine gets sucked up in there, and it's 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 hard on those bearings under there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll have to keep that in mind. I have unwrapped that stuff out of there several times, so I'll, I'll keep an eye on that. Now, if yeah, if, sure. if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you want to sharpen your own blades, is there something people can do at home to balance those blades so they don't have this problem? Absolutely. We we actually sell at DMB a, a little a little balancer that you can hang on the wall yourself, or it, it sits on the sits on the bench and and it will rock back and forth to let you know if one side is is heavier than the other and so you just need to sharpen that side a little bit more to get it to where it balances correctly okay so this is all based on the weight of how much metal you've taken off while you're sharpening correct yep okay all right now what about what about the listener who's going to buy a brand new piece of equipment to start the season out for whatever reason is there a break-in period with these new motors or can they just put maximum demand on that machine as soon as they start it up nope you can go maximum demand um as as you run a, a tank or two through it, you will, as the rings start to seat, you will see the performance get a little bit better. But no, they are all ready to go, ready to use. There's no real break-in period. Every engine manufacturer is a little different. Some require an oil change after 10 hours. Some are 20 hours and some are 40 hours. Mm-hmm. But it would just depend on the, the on your four-stroke stuff, the brand of the engine, and how soon they want you to actually change the oil. Okay. All right, very good. All right, well, let's let's talk troubleshooting really quick. So if you go out and you go out to fire up your small engine, it's not starting at all. We're, you know, if somebody brought that into you, where would you start in trying to diagnose why that engine is not starting? Well, we kind of have our a little checklist that we go through. The first thing you can do is if it's just not starting is obviously check spark. You want to make sure that, that you're getting good spark, whether your spark plug is bad, one of the wires going to the spark plug is bad, or the actual coil is bad and not putting out spark. That's one of the first things. The next thing would be carburation, which is more times than not, it's all carburation, whether it's bad gas, water in the gas, a plug in your carburetor that could need cleaned, but more times than not, it's due to bad gas or poor quality of gas. Let's go back to the spark plug really quick. So you said make sure that it's sparking. How how does somebody do that? How do they figure out if that's working or not? You go to a, a local auto parts store and you can buy a little plug-in deal that plugs in between your plug wire and your spark plug. And as you pull the rope, it actually has a light that lights up to show whether it's sparking or not. Okay. All right. So there's a piece of equipment that, that people can get to check that if they like. And then 
you were talking about the carburetor. So if it is a carburetor issue, is this as simple as spraying some carburetor cleaner in there or is this much more complex where people should be taking it into a shop if they don't have that expertise? More times than not, it is more than just a carburetor cleaner fix. It's literally taking the carburetor apart, cleaning every little tiny port in, in the carburetor and, and getting rid of that gas that was in it. And sometimes even the needle and seat in the carburetor goes bad and we uh, have carb kits and we rebuild carburetors. But very unlikely is it just a carburetor cleaner that can usually get it cleaned out. Okay. So what is that carburetor cleaner for? Uh, you see it in the stores and the auto parts stores and in D&B and other places. What is that for? What's the use of that? That's for if, if it's not really, really dirty, that there there is times where you can spray that in your in your ports of your carburetor and if it's just something small it will break that free and so it's a good place to start if you're not wanting to take it to a shop to uh, really dive into it it's a good place to start well i'll tell you what let's take one last break and when we come back i want to ask you about flooding engines okay all right sounds good is your dog's true nature shining through along with a shiny coat too find out by filling up your pet's bowl with purina one true instinct dog food available at dnb supply purina one true instinct gets back to nature and back to basics inspired by your dog's gut instinct to naturally choose nutrient-dense food the expert nutritionists at purina one developed a recipe that puts pure protein front and center let your dog's coat shine through by dishing out purina one true instinct dog food available at your favorite d and be supply. During calving season, your livestock operation really comes alive. On your ranch, be born ready with Powder River Livestock Handling Equipment, available at D&B Supply. For almost 80 years, Powder River has stood out as leaders in the livestock handling field with continuous equipment innovation to help ranchers work up close with their livestock safely and with minimal stress. To bring your calves into the world, then bring them up right, stop on by select D&B Supply stores for Powder River Livestock Handling handling equipment. All right, Andy. Well, this has been great. I know this is going to be super useful for people, and and I've got more questions for you here. So I wanted to ask you about flooding engines. So I know this happens. Now, explain to our listeners what it means, what what the term flooding an engine means. So more times than not, people will want to choke their piece of equipment every time they start it. And that's not always what needs to happen. Most of the times, if they just set it down for 10, 15 minutes, uh, 20 minutes, and they're going to go back to use the use their equipment, they would not need to rechoke it. Most of the times, the flooding comes because they have tried to choke their equipment again, and that it's just letting too much gas into the cylinder that it can't ignite and burn that much gas. Okay. So when you're when you're pulling the choke or activating the choke on an engine, it's it's allowing more gas to to enter into the engine, is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So let's say you have flooded your engine. So how are you going to fix this? Is it just a matter of waiting? Is it a matter of time or is there something else you can do? You can definitely speed the time up by pulling your spark plug out and and turning the engine over multiple times and letting that uh, fuel escape the cylinder and letting it dry out a little bit. Dry out your spark plug, get uh, air and, and blow your spark plug off to where it's nice and dry and then put it back in and not choke it again and and start it up that way. Now this would be my typical experience. I would probably flood my engine and then as I was trying to get it started I would probably break 
the uh, the rope on my pull start. So if you if you break the rope on your pull start as all this is going on, is that a difficult thing to to replace and and to get back in there correctly with the spring and all of that, or, or what do you suggest there? Unfortunately, with ropes and rewinds, they're 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 tricky. They uh, got to make sure that spring is exact. There's uh, smaller springs with pawls in there. Um, more times than not. I, I, I struggle with them myself and, and have, have to have mechanics help to get that spring wound back right and make sure everything's correct. Okay, so that's uh, not for the faint of heart. That's a difficult thing to get right. And some can be, especially some of them are actually the, the whole rewind assembly is riveted onto the side of the machine, so some of them have to be drilled out and to get the rewind off to fix and then re-riveted back on so there's definitely some people that are mechanically inclined enough to do it i am probably not one of those <laughs> okay <laughs> all right well this has been great i wanted to ask you about some specific pieces of equipment i mean i've been kind of focusing on being very general and something that everybody has but what about trimmers is there anything in terms of starting up and maintaining throughout the season that we haven't covered that is specific to trimmers you know trimmers are a, a funny one that not everybody runs and this will kind of fall into the same category as leaf blowers that they don't always run full throttle and so when you run a two-stroke not on full throttle all the time you will get some carbon buildup on the fire screen the spark arrestor the little screen that uh, helps prevent sparks from coming out Mm -hmm. and that can get kind of plugged up with carbon and a lot of times people will uh, bring their trimmer or their leaf blower in that it'll start and run but it won't run to optimal performance and a lot of that is due because they're not running it at full throttle enough that they're letting that that fire screen get plugged up with carbon and you have to take the muffler apart and, and clean out the spark arrestor. But other than that, they're, they're, they're similar to everything else. And now, when it comes to lawnmowers, and, and we've been talking about that quite a bit, but is there a difference in things you need to do to prep your riding lawnmower as opposed to a, a push-behind? There are some things, yes. You know, people commonly forget about their tire pressure in their riding mowers, and their complaint will be that it's not cutting level. And a lot of it could have to do with one side of the tire pressure being lower than the other side. So that's that's one thing to always uh, keep in mind is, is keeping up with your tire pressures on a rider. Let me ask you about field mower since it's kind of along the same line. So the type of field mower that actually is not run off of a PTO but that has its own motor to operate it and you can pull it behind anything in, in mower field. What about prepping those? Is there anything additional we'd want to do for that piece of equipment? No, it's going to be, you know, really similar to a riding mower. Uh, a lot of them have pneumatic tires where you got to air up also. They all have the same basic engine as a riding mower was. A lot of the same components as far as how there, a lot of them have electric start and have a battery that need to be maintained, and they're very similar to a riding mower. Okay. And then keeping with the theme of, of lawn and garden here, how about rototillers? Anything additional we would want to do with that piece of equipment? Rototillers are a tough one because most people only use them once or twice a year, and so they could sit for, you know, nine, ten months out of the year. Mm-hmm. So those are a big one that I recommend getting the gas out of them and storing them with no gas in the machine or and running it dry so that there's no gas in the carburetor because the the sitting for the long periods of eight, nine months is what's going to hurt those with with their gas going back. Okay. 
And as I was racking my brain here for pieces of power equipment to ask you about, I came up with a handheld auger. And I wanted to ask you if there was any special prep on those. And I want to ask you about the shear bolts in augers as well. Is that something that will get stressed over time and we should be replacing that? Or do we just wait until that one finally breaks? I mean, I would definitely check your shear bolt out and you can see if it's starting to bend or crack and go ahead and replace it. And the only time that that shear bolt's really going to break is if you're getting stuck on a rock or stuck on a tree root and, and that's you know obviously a shear bolt for a reason it is it's designed to to break before you break something internal that's going to cause more damage so be careful to replace it with a shear bolt or a very light bolt and not put a heavier duty bolt in there because then you're going to take the risk of of damaging internal stuff, which is going to be way more expensive than a shear bolt. Okay. And just to make sure that we explain this to our listeners best as possible, so if you correct me if I'm wrong here, but my understanding of the shear bolt is that's how you attach the auger mechanism to the, to the motor. So if you do run up against something that's going to stop that auger from turning, instead of tearing up the insides of your motor, it'll break that bolt and that way, that doesn't happen. Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely correct. Yes, sir. Okay. So, Absolutely correct. So you can't. You need to be careful if you do break one to go get the right thing to put back in there, or you could damage your whole piece of equipment if and when you hit that rock or that root or whatever it may be again. That is correct. I've seen people put like a grade eight, very hardened bolt in there, and go to try to use it and hit a rock or something hard, and it actually broke internal pieces instead of just that you know, 50 cent shear bolt or however much those cost. All right. Well, last but not least, one of my favorite activities for this time of year is cutting firewood. So chainsaws and log splitters, anything additional we should be doing to get those things ready and keep them at tip top performance? A lot of this is going to be how sharp your chain is. Running a dull chain is actually hard on the saw. It's making that saw work a lot harder than it than it should and obviously will not perform correctly with a dull chain. So really just keeping the the chain sharp is a huge issue. Keeping your bar uh, bar oil, you know, run a good quality bar oil. A lot of old farmers like to run their dirty used motor oil in them, and they have no tackifier in them. And that tackifier is what, what's, what's sticky and, and sticks to your bar and your chain and your sprocket and keeps all those working correctly and, and longer lifetime out of, out of those. Okay. And how about our log splitters? Yeah, they're going to be, you know, really similar to just a, a lawnmower engine. They're, they're just a lawnmower engine bolted right to a, to a pump that drives the hydraulic motor that makes your ram go back and forth. You know, every log splitter is a little different, but they, they all have uh, hydraulic filters for the oil and for the actual hydraulic oil. So that would be one additional thing you would need to you know, change every couple of years is, is change that hydraulic filter. Well, Andy, this has been great. Is there anything that I did not ask you that you see in your shop all the time that customers need to know about? The, the most common thing, unfortunately, always boils down to, to, to gas, the quality of gas. Ethanol, most small engines are, are designed to run on 10% ethanol, but the thing about ethanol is that it actually absorbs moisture from the air. So it, it it just is drawing the water from the air and putting it right in the gas. So if you can stay away from the ethanol, uh, you are far better off. Well, Andy, thank you so much for coming on today, for sharing all this information. I really appreciate it, and I know our listeners will get something great out of it. Well, thank you very much for having me on, and I really do hope that this helps people out. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle. 
however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.